The Boise Bubble Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Boise. Speak Boise is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Boise, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios. Speak and be heard. Hello, friends. Tired of traditional car dealerships pushing you around for five hours just to end up with a payment that's more than you can afford? They're not your friends. But you know who is your BFF? Volkswagen of Boise. They have a non-commission sales team that genuinely cares about your vehicle needs. Not ready to buy today? No pressure. Come back when you're ready, and they'll make the process easy and hassle-free with upfront pricing and a no-haggle philosophy. Volkswagen, engineered to buy easy. For more info, go to volkswagenofboise.com. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast, where we talk all things Treasure Valley. We're your hosts, Shane and Natalie Plummer. Welcome back to the conversation. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. We've been talking for like five minutes, so we might as well we'll start now. Okay, sounds good. So uh, we'd like to welcome my wife, Natalie. Hello again. Hi, how are you? And we'd like to welcome our guest today, former mayor of Meridian, Mayor Tammy DeVeard. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. We're so excited that you're here. This is so I'm fun. excited too. We were just talking about statistics and how many new people are coming to Meridian every year. And it's a lot. We don't know the exact number, but we do agree that it's thousands. Thousands of people every year are moving here, which made me think there are a lot of people that don't know you. You were mayor of Meridian for four terms. Is that right? Yes. 16, 16 years. 16 years. Wow. So, and you've been out of the game actively uh, for the past two years. Is that right? The past year and a half. Year and a half. Yeah. So there are a lot of people that may not uh, recognize you or know who you are. Most of us do, but for the record, there's always discussion about how to pronounce your name. And I've been in places where people of prominence have what I thought mispronounced your name. And I wish that I put money down on it now, but it's Tammy DeVeard, correct? DeVeard. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yes, most people do know you as Mayor Tammy. Mayor Tammy was much easier Mm -hmm. to remember, so um, it kind of stuck. I I think it really was initiated by when I first was elected, I was putting a message on my answering machine in the office. Hello, you've reached Mayor DeVeert, Mm -hmm. and I would laugh hysterically (laughs) every time. An hour later, it was just hello, you've reached Mayor Tammy. Please leave your name and number. (laughs) So it just kind of stuck. Interesting. Did you ever campaign as just Mayor Tammy or was it always DeVeard? It was mainly Tammy. Mayor Tammy. Uh Uh-huh. Tammy was the prominent and and DeVeard um, underneath. That's awesome. Well, we know that in our small circle, there are a ton of people that are very curious about what happens in local politics and city government. There is a huge misconception about what people actually do and how decisions are made. And I remember that whenever we put it out on social media to ask questions, hey, if you could talk to Mary Tammy, what would you want to know? There's some interesting things that come back. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And all I'm things that so I'm interested, interested in. to find out what yeah. people want to know. Oh, yeah. I yeah. thought I was kind of boring myself. Do you know the top one? I'll give you the top two that are at the top of my mind. Number one is, what's a mayor actually do? I think that like people have this idea of you like being a mini president and I don't know how much of that is accurate and how much of it is misconception. So when you explain to the average citizen that might uh, want you, you know, to rant at you for certain things or expect certain things from you, how do you explain what it is that a mayor does? Well, a mayor is like a CEO of a company in, in the state of Idaho, we have a strong mayor form of government, um, all except four cities that have a city manager. And that means that the mayor is the city administrator, the city manager. So I, I did everything except set policy. And so when people would come to me and they would want a certain thing changed, I can't do that. I had the same parameters that staff did. I, I made my decisions based on city code. And people had a misconception that I could do whatever, and um, that was a misconception. But yes, I w- oversaw the, the budget once it was set. I would bring a balanced budget to the city council, but they would set it, and then I would operate the city within that with our department directors. Uh, same with personnel. 
Um, I think one of your questions was, what, what is the unexpected? Personnel was my, oh, my God. Because the first time I had to let someone go, I broke out in boils. I, I mean, it was Had you so never let somebody stressful. go before that? I No. So within city government was the first time that you had to terminate somebody? Yes. And when I terminate someone, it's usually a little bit more high profile. Uh-huh. And, um, and just like a citizen, you would be the last, the buck stops here. And so you would be the appeal as well. And I would cry with them. I, would, I, I mean, we have a great culture in the city of Meridian, one that um, has care values. Those are the values that we operate by. Customer service, accountability, respect, and excellence. And care meant a lot. And I cared about the people that I served, the people that I worked with, and you want to empathize, you want to give them the answer that they want to hear, but you can't always do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious, you had said before that you don't set policy. There's no policy that you set. You administrate. Right. Maybe that's an oversimplification, but so what's the difference between a mayor of one political party versus a mayor of another political party sitting in the chair? Is there much of a difference? Well, the cool thing in the state of Idaho is we're not politically affiliated. And I love that. I would say that local government is the clearest form of government that our founding fathers really imagined is because we, we are directly answerable to the people, not to a party, not to a central district committee, not to the Speaker of the House or the pro tem of the Senate, we answer to you, and that is, is, is really important to me. And as they debate, should local government elected officials be um, party-affiliated? I would say no. That would be a travesty because you tell me the difference between treating sewer as a Republican or a Democrat. Mm-hmm. You're going to do it the same, mm-hmm. right? responsibly. Uh, so... I can answer to our citizens and not to the head of the party saying, no, this is how we want you to vote. It doesn't work that way in local government. And actually, I don't think it should work that way in government, period, but it does. I, I 100% agree. Yeah, you're speaking Sorry, very, for sure. I'm very, no, we are. You we can are see I just, you just found one in my soapbox. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we love that. I mean, what a different place it would be if, if we didn't have to. We didn't have to focus all of our views based on just two little parties. It's very odd. Just a yes. two-party system is just a very strange concept to me. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of in-between that doesn't necessarily fit into one party. Because I feel like there's a lot inferred that once you put a label on something, there's a lot of assumption. Oh, well, if you're in this party, then I assume that you believe A, B, and C, and D. When I feel like most people cherry-pick a lot of stuff. It's hard to Which categorize people. It means that the, that's thoughtful and... To let their own feelings and their own judgment dictate instead of a party. Well, and I think that's why some people really hesitate getting into an elected role. Um, My my journey to being a city council person and then becoming mayor was probably different than most. I wasn't motivated by politics. I was motivated by community community building. So I was more intrigued by the public service piece of it. I started as a community advocate, a volunteer. I served um, on several commissions and task force. And I fell in love with Meridian. And I wanted more for our community. I wanted more for my family, my kids, my neighbors. And um, what intrigued me, because I was tricked into running. <laughs> I had a friend that wanted me to run her campaign, and I hate politics. And I said, oh, you don't know. I, I've never been involved with a campaign, but I really liked her. There hadn't been a woman in, in our local government. And so I said, yeah, I'll run your campaign. And a month later, she, ran, she moved into the county. She said, why don't I run your campaign? I lost that first campaign, and I learned so much. What I did learn, most importantly, is 
I want to do this. I, I want a better Meridian. And um, I ran two years later and um, won my race against a, an incumbent. And um, based on my energy and working, at, we call it vision action results. And um, I never looked back after that point. I, I fell in love with every group I got to work with. I, I just, Meridian is an amazing community with engaged citizens that want to participate. So you mentioned that w- your path was kind of atypical when you had interests. Can you remember any particular issues that kind of got you activated and thought, oh, man, I, I'm really interested in funding for libraries or more oh, bus yes. stops or <laughs> what particular issues stick out in your mind? I was known as the parks lady. Uh, we only yes. had one park in the city of Meridian, and I grew up in Moscow in northern Idaho, and parks was a major part of my upbringing. I was on swim team, I was in softball, and a lot of different activities, and and there's so many lessons learned on the playing field or in playing with others and, and all of that. And so I wanted that for my kids. And I found myself driving them back and forth to Boise, and and I thought, this isn't how it should be. So we got together a like-minded group. Not that we were all the same. We all had a passion for parks. And we started from there. And we built the, the message of why parks are important to the identity of a community. We understood it was... Um, a, a last priority for funding behind police and fire. But we also knew it was an essential um, component asset or amenity to developing a community that was built for business, designed for living, and that families were attracted to. Mm. Man, we are... <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things when we moved to Meridian, we just could not believe the amount, but the caliber of the parks. And we actually chose our home based on its proximity to Settlers Park because we just thought the the housing, um, the lots are much smaller than we were used to. But if we could just walk to one of these parks, we had so much accessible and we have, we have enjoyed it so much. So thank you for yeah. making that a party. What was the one existing park when you started? Story Park. Story Park. Yes. Interesting. And it does have like a little older feel there. Yeah. I could see how that's older. Yeah. So that became a a rally cry for our community that um, the collaboration was incredible. And for every tax dollar we spent, we had matched it with another $3 of donation and kind. We came about um, the impact fees, making sure that growth then started to at least maintain what we had. But then we had to build on that because you could only maintain what you had. And so we had uh, very generous people step up and, and participate because they saw the, the, the vision and the message behind it was family, it was community building, it was an asset and an amenity that attract business as well. Is that something that helped you in your campaign or was it other issues as well or that was just what kind of got you into the scene? Uh, That got me um, passionate about the city of Meridian. After I lost, I then, um, I was put on the planning and zoning commission and helped spearhead the first city comprehensive plan. Mm. So one of the, the cool things was when I was elected on city council, we had just started to adopt the comprehensive plan. When I stepped out of my role as mayor, we had just concluded it. Oh, wow. And so it I got to long? be part, well, they're a 20-year vision for the, for the community. And ours was very community. We had a lot of community engagement at the time. We do update it um, along the way because things change, markets change, our population changes. And it was really important to me that we had transparency and um, citizen engagement in these processes. So one thing I've, I've been interested in is you're very visible. Um, people know who you are throughout the community. And I 
understand that on my side as well, being a little bit visible. Um, and I'm still a little uncomfortable with people recognizing me where I go, but you are that so many more times. What is it like where everywhere you go, not only do people recognize you, but probably have something they'd like to talk to you about, whether it's an issue that they think needs to be fixed. I feel like you're, as a public servant, I guess you're just kind of almost always on call. Do you get that feeling sometimes? Oh, yeah. You're you're 24-7. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even on vacation. Yeah. Uh, I'll run into someone and it's like, aren't you Mayor Tammy? Mm-hmm. It's like, yes. <laughs> um, I don't mind that. It kept me engaged, and it, it gave me different um, venues to hear from our citizens about things who are important. Where it became a little clunkier is with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the, the other things that was difficult about um, becoming a public servant, all of a sudden my family was held accountable to the public, and that's not how it should be. And I think that really holds people back from running for um, office. People that would be highly qualified, they don't want to bring their families into it. Mm -hmm. And I get that. It was very disturbing over this last year watching people go and protest in front of people's private homes. I think there are places that are off base. You're a public servant, but that doesn't mean that your family should be... Um, witness to some of the ugliness that really happens and some of the insults and and you try to protect them but the public my my two daughters that were raised primarily during my term as an elected official they live in the Netherlands (laughs) they wanted their own identity they they felt that anything they accomplished people would say oh it's only because you were the mayor's daughter and if they had a misstep, it was uh, in the newspaper, and it was really difficult. So I, I think there needs to be greater separation. I don't know how you do that, but I, I think the protests in front of personal residences, those that's not appropriate. Yeah, that was definitely uncalled for. Do you mm-hmm. feel like a tactic like that is, is it people that don't know a better alternative to try to get what they want. And so, well, a protest in front of someone's house is the most visible thing that I can think of. Or is it just dirty pool? That's a bad tactic. I'm kind of wondering pool. where it... And, you know, I, it's, it only happened to me once where a citizen was parked out in front of my house. And I was riding home to pick up my daughter for soccer practice. Because remember, you're an elected official but you're also a mom or a grandma or a wife. You have other parts of your life that are, that are not public, and they shouldn't be. And when I saw the citizen parked in front of my house, I told him, I said, you call my office in the morning, and I will meet with you, but you do not park in front of my house and harass my daughter. She has nothing to do with your issue. I, I think there are many ways that you can communicate with your elected official. And if you don't think that you're heard, I, you get a response to your email and that's not enough. Well, there are 120,000 people in the city of Meridian that all have a voice as well. It's not the, the squeaky will that gets the grease. It's the respectful dialogue that we can have. And I think that we can all disagree, but we don't have to be disagreeable. And I I think that there's taking things too far, and and then you lose your message. Mm. That's right. Sometimes I wonder if social media has a lot to do with that, is that we have an ability to yell, to have our voice, and we get used to that, that everyone can have a voice and everyone can be loud and then we, f- and, and it's not great even on social media. And then we take it back and think that it's, it's appropriate everywhere we go. And uh, people, I, I think boundaries are, are starting to get hazy on some of those things. I wonder how much the public has just forgotten the deal. I mean, there used to be this understood deal of public service, right? When you're in there, something about the way that you described it with 
that person waiting outside your house and their ex their thought that you they approached you as if you're a mayor 24 7 and that is your one purpose in life forgetting that you're all these other things as well but people don't treat people in public service that same way it's this expectation that well once you're into this game you are a hundred percent we own you strictly for the purposes of politics and it was never like that but i don't know how to change that momentum very well i think that people just need to to remember their manners and you know back to the basics of of being a good person um I love social media. When I finally took the the big step into Facebook, I mean, my mom joined Facebook before <laughs> I did. I loved it because it gave me a different way to reach out to the citizens and, and to show them that I was more than just the mayor. The mayor was what I was passionate about. and It was, it was my position, but it wasn't what defined me. What defined me was being a wife and a mom and, and an individual with interests and, and hurts and feelings and all of that. And sometimes you had to, to set the feeling part aside because people said pretty nasty things. They can be real. There's mean people out there, believe it or not. But I love social media because it connected me in a different way. And people would private message me and say, hey, what are you doing on this? And, and I love that. I, I really love that. It was more personable. Emails sometimes can be really impersonal. I, I don't know why I think that. But, um, and if someone made a kind of a snarky comment on my Facebook page, I would PM them and say, hey, I'm taking this off, off the public conversation because I don't think it should be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk. So what was your preferred method of people reaching out to you? You said email can get a little bit clunky. Was social media your favorite way to engage or would you have another preference? I think there were many different ways and I, I appreciated them all. Um, personally, I, I'm, if you text me, you get my attention and my director started texting me and said, I, you have an email. You know, <laughs> can you take a look at it and, and give me your feedback? And that was really helpful because I got so many emails. Things very easily got buried. So I don't know if there was any right way. I tried to, to respond in every different venue. And for the city of Meridian, re, we really focused on giving the citizen a voice and being approachable. And as we grew into a self-reliant, full-service city, we still wanted to maintain that small-town feel that people could still actually get to a person, not an answering machine. And and that was a real focus. So we we had a multi-pronged approach to um, citizen engagement and access and those kind of things. So I have a thousand questions. Let me just start chipping away. You said that you were part of the first um, master city plan. And I know that we came into Idaho in 2010, and it felt like we were here before things really got popular, before really there was a lot of buzz about Boise. It was only a couple of years after we had arrived that you started to see, oh, Forbes picked us up in the top 10 places to live, and all of a sudden there's a lot of press so when you look at where you were back then and you look at to where we are today, is the rate of growth, is it surprising? Is it, oh, that's exactly what we had, we had hoped for, we got what we had aimed to get whenever we set things out, or does it feel out of control? How does it feel to you when you look at the way that things are moving and growing today? Do you see it as, oh, we're a huge success, we've, we've done what we set out for, or do you see it differently? I think the city of Meridian has grown as gracefully as, can be expected amidst um, the growth. Some of the biggest challenge were in in services we didn't provide, in transportation and in schools. A lot of misconceptions are this M, where people come from. Some of those cities do their, most of them do their own transportation. We don't. We have Ada County Highway District. And some of them do their own schools. And we didn't do either. 
So those were misconceptions, but those relationships were a focus um, right when I got into office is how we can improve the communication and the planning. Uh, The biggest um, challenge, I think, with the schools and with growth, and I would, the legislature just really frustrates me because they love to talk about property tax and the growing cost of property taxes. Well, 30% of that is schools. That is a constitutional mandate for the state to fund. And instead of adequately funding schools, another soapbox I have, if Mm -hmm. you haven't noticed, (laughs) I start to go, wow. Please do. Is um, that growth doesn't pay for schools. It does, but that's redistributed to other parts of the state. So then they leave it up to local citizens to fund levies and bonds. And I'm very proud of our community that there's a first focus on our kids. That's where it should be. But the state should be appropriately funding the schools and the operations without us having to tax ourselves on our property tax. But at the state capitol building, they love to say, well, I'm going to cut your taxes. Oh, and those property taxes, they are out of control. Well, they're out of control by 30% of my property taxes because I choose my kids first or my grandkids at this point to adequately fund them because the state is not. It feels like for an average citizen, it feels like it's it's more work than it should be to get funding for schools. And maybe it's because the average citizen citizen, we don't know exactly what the mechanism is and where the dollars go and how the appropriations all shake out. But um, I know that, Natalie, you had a big part in kind of helping to promote and get some visibility to some of these levies. But I was surprised at the at the resistance to a lot of people to any kind of mention of additional taxes or a levy or to even to continue a levy. It gets met with a lot of resistance. That's because we pay our taxes. And the state should use those taxes to fund our schools, Mm. period. There is a constitutional mandate that requires a fair, thorough, and uniform education system. Well, if they're not appropriately funding them, how can you do that? Well, then the local citizens say, enough of that. We, We want our kids to have adequate facilities we want them to have access to to education like the people before them every year we went to the legislature trying to get some tool for growth to pay for itself if the state wasn't recognizing that the sales tax and income tax that are being generated from our communities is not enough then give a growth fee and let that growth pay for it out of a specific impact fee like we do for parks, like we do for police, like we do for fire, sewer, water, and roads, they should allow that for schools as well. So where does the impact fee come from? Who's paying the impact fee? The new house. The new house would do that. And so it is built into the cost. Um, I know I, I live on Lakeview Golf Course, and... Way back when that was first starting to develop, in order to develop the the golf course itself, they passed a specific um, impact fee for that area. So when I built my house, I paid an impact fee to help develop the golf course. And um, impact fees should pay for impact. Mm -hmm. Um, do you feel, in your opinion, that the city is diligent in collecting those impact fees from developers? I mean, how often are they waived? Are they ever waived? Um, we have waived them only on a couple of occasions, and that, that was for um, a, an employer that brought in family wage jobs, and it was more of an offset. We also did that for the... Um, the Idaho College of Osteopathic Medicine. And what they committed to is using those local dollars for scholarships for local students. And I loved that idea. Mm -hmm. But they brought in really high-paying jobs, and they brought in um, a need in our area and the state of Idaho for medical education, which we had been 
looking to attract for decades. Um, aren't, and aren't they one of the first medical colleges here in the state? They are the first and only. They are the first and only. We do have the Whammy program that does um, scholarship for kids to go um, to get a medical education in, in other states. But what we also saw is where you go to school, uh, you also will will almost plant your roots. More, more is the residency, where they get their residency, but um, both of those are, are being addressed through this, and, and it's been a great partnership. And, and we're talking um, maybe $200,000, so it wasn't a huge thing, mm-hmm. but it was a local um, hand up to a, a, an amenity that was sorely needed. It was part of um, an kind of a job corridor that we identified as our health science and technology corridor that was bringing good paying jobs. And, and really during the recession, it kept us afloat. We, we were one of the few in the state and across the nation that stayed in the black. We um, hmm. slowly gained a few citizens. Um, we, we lost maybe 3,000 jobs, but quickly, but not as bad as, as other places because of that health science and technology corridor. Mm. I'm kind of curious about your accomplishments and what you feel good about. Whenever you started... Did you have a thought in your mind that said, oh, when I'm in office, I want to accomplish A, B, and C? Did you articulate it like that? Or I'm kind of wondering how you gauge success in the beginning. When I am, I'm a collaborator. I I like to bring people around the table and not just same-minded people. I want a diversity of thought. And so I I think one of the biggest accomplishments accomplishments that we've had as a community is how we've collaborated and how we've built the city of Meridian together. You know, whether it's, um, and we had a lot of firsts that got national attention and statewide attention, like our anti-drug coalition uh, that got a national award, our universally accessible playground at Settlers Park. It it started a movement in the state of Idaho to build universally accessible um, playgrounds so kids of all abilities could play together. Uh, We have our focus on youth, my mayor's youth advisory council, all of these different efforts, uh, numerous programs in our police, in our fire, in our parks, in our water and sewer, almost every... um, aspect of city government we had partnerships and collaborations and if we talk about transportation when i first stepped in we had four-way stop signed intersections everywhere Mm -hmm. oh my god there was nothing worse that i hated (laughs) and we built a public private partnership with the development community that went in they developed um, intersection improvements 10 years before they were ever scheduled to go in at their cost, and they were paid back through um, impact fees. But over time, you could see those impact fees were leveraged against the, the rising cost. So we got those in at their cost, not at government cost. There is a difference. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we were able to do more with the dollars that we had. Mm. That was a, an amazing collaboration. We did that in um, other areas as well where they did um, one-mile section of widening a road uh, when we got our two business parks at Overland and South Eagle Road, El Dorado and Silverstone. They collaborated and they put in uh, the needed infrastructure along their business parks and the jobs that they've created in those two places have been phenomenal. So there's a a lot of things that collaboration can do and uh, I feel rather than really um, saying one project 
because there's so many I can point to that we were able to accomplish because we worked together. 10 mile interchange, my favorite one. Man, we're we're is, super happy about that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because we had anyone that um, emailed my office with a, with a complaint about transportation or traffic, they got on an email list. And so when legislation or when we were going to be in front of the Idaho Transportation Department, we would email them and say, we need your voice. We didn't tell them how to, to voice in. We told them the issue, what, what the city was advocating and what we were doing, and to please call your legislator or call your ITD commissioner. And at some point, um, then Governor Otter, no, Governor Otter was a congressman. He almost called uncle and said, okay, you know, call them off. I know you guys want the 10-mile interchange. They told us that we couldn't get it for 20 years. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So but how do when people, you bring your voices together, you can. How do people get on these? I mean, when people want to have a voice, you said that you they emailed you, they got on this list. People want to know what's going on. They want to have a voice. What's the best way for them to, I guess, be part of this group and this voice? Should they be emailing the city and saying, I want to know more? How did they get that information? I did listen to one of your um, uh, podcasts with you when you had two women that uh, were from New York and California. Uh, yes, LA. And, and it was, how do you find out about these things? Well, or I think even Don Day had mentioned in, in his um, talks, we do notice um, on as you're driving by an empty field, you should see a big sign. If we have something going up, we we exceed the state um, notification requirements. But you know that's a hard one. In the Netherlands, where my husband grew up, there were community places everyone knew to go to for their information. In America, you don't have that. And certainly in the West, you don't have those kind of historical information points that you go to. The city, you can um, sign up for the city newsletter. You can follow them on social media. But it's always news is a blink in time. You can blink and not see that. I'll post something on my Facebook when I was mayor. And people said, why didn't you post that before the fact? Well, I had probably like five different times. But if you blink, you're not going to see it. So those that are very curious and want to get involved, I would tell them to get involved. Give of your time and talent and, and sign up to be a planning and zoning commissioner. Sign up for the agendas that city council have and, and get on that mailing list. You can go and subscribe to almost anything at meridiancity.org and, and get information from parks to fire to police to uh, an, a number of different things. So, but it will take work because there is not one place that we even found that people go to. We started putting things on your water bill, your water and sewer bill, but People don't really look at those, and or if they're like me, I pay online, and so I never really see it. Mm-hmm. Do you think one of those meeting groups might be social media, local pages? One thing I've noticed is just what I do. I run a local page, and we have 35,000 followers, and uh, I love it when the city communicates with me and says, hey, can we get this out there? Because I know people are looking in those places, and there are so many uh, Facebook groups. Um, I know like for Meridian, there's Meridian Moms. There's groups that just talk about Boise places. Sometimes I feel like a collaboration with people who have influence outside of politics coming together uh, with um, political officials would be really helpful because I think that's where people are getting a lot of their information now. I would love that. I, I had looked um, and and been watching Boise because they have neighborhood associations. We have homeowner associations, and we also do notify the homeowners association if they're active 
about anything that would be in their area. We were one of the first groups with Nextdoor. We were um, one of their sample cities, and we were eager to sign up for that because we were always looking for ways to better communicate, to better inform the citizens. There's just so many of them now. I I would say uh, we have uh, the city, I keep saying we, the city has a new communication manager, uh, Stephanie Galbraith, and if there are groups that want to get on certain lists, to just reach out to Stephanie and and let her know uh, because I I do know the city has a sincere interest in in being transparent. Uh, We have one of the most intense finance pages. You can go in and drill down to almost the penny of where we're spending money. That's great. And, um, you know, we take great pride in that transparency. But does anyone ever go on that page? We look for the traffic, the numbers that, that click, and it's just like, well, we will conti- they will continue to do that because it's important that if there is someone that wants to know something, they should have access to it because we are a public um, entity. And so if there are ideas, reach out to, to Stephanie because um, – they're always looking for how can we better communicate. I'm still curious about the level of confidence in the city machine and managing the growth. I mean, I've been thinking about how to phrase this question in a way that you can a- that you can answer it. But when they see what's going on and what we're dealing with, the temperature of the average citizens, did they? I mean, are things on track? Did they think, oh yeah, we are managing this great. We have a plan. Everything is going according to plan. Or is, I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, it looked like, oh my gosh, this is out of control. We cannot manage the rate of change so much with so many people and infrastructure. What's their level of confidence? How would, how would you gauge it? I think, again, I would say the city is, has met the growth fairly gracefully. We grow to our comprehensive plan, which just is a guideline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it has some flexibility to it. We um, plan to our city code. We started um, kind of a little bit in, I started sensing that it was feeling a little bit out of control to me. And, And as mayor, I'm only a tiebreaker. I'll run the meeting and I'll give them my opinion. Uh, but the council makes the decisions. And we had some new people that hadn't really been involved um, as a volunteer, or I love seeing people come up from planning and zoning because they have a better understanding of growth and the limitations and, and maybe some of the things you don't like. Um, and we had some new ones. So we started giving them statistics on city services, a closest fire station, um, police response, those different things that, that lent to it. We implored the school district to give us better information about the conditions of their schools. And if if kids were to reside in this new subdivision, where would they be going to school? And and so we wanted to equip the decision makers, the city council members, with relevant information to make their decisions. My concern is you can't grow everywhere. You just can't. It's really hard on our services to to res, to be that nimble. And um, one of the things I found is we can kind of do a little bit of that with not running a sewer trunk line out. Well, that's at the cost of development now. If they want to put that on, on their prices, then... I, I guess council will consider it, but we wanted it to be more than sewer and water because you can sewer and water anything if you throw enough money at it, uh, and the developers were. So then we had to bring in the other services, the parks and the police and the fire and, and our support services that support some of those primary functions of IT and HR and finance, 
we needed to make sure we could support the personnel necessary to support these new growth areas. Mm. It's complicated. Um, there is a vision, and I think the citizen's role is is to, one, understand it's for the good of the whole. It's not just in your backyard. Is is it answering a need in the community, and is it premier? Our vision in the city of Meridian is to be a premier place to live, work, and raise a family. And to me, that is the gauge of all decisions. That's how we worked internally um, with our team to, to know that we're one team, one mission. And, and there is strategies and goals that are tied to, to that vision of a premier community. And in my opinion, some of the developments don't meet that goal. And, or if you have a land use designation, it's for commercial, and you envision a, a job a, a job base so people can work closer to where they live. And a realtor comes to you and says, well, I haven't been able to sell that for five years for commercial, so I want to put apartments there. It's like tough. That is what it's designated for. You You need to have some resolve, too. And I think that citizen role is to remind our elected officials that um, we know growth will happen and growth is not necessarily a bad thing but we want to guide growth where we have services where it will be a benefit to the current residents and not not be a constraint it should pay for itself Mm -hmm. the recent legislation that the legislature passed um, chipped away at that and I think that we're going to start seeing as homeowners a shift that we have more of the burden to, to pay the taxes. And um, people not only have to be, um, they, they should be more engaged, not just in local government, but look at what our current representatives and senators are doing for us, or not. Mm-hmm. I can count on one finger the one that does something for us and we have 12 what are they doing all day that's my well they're paying attention to i think things that are are not what is first and foremost on the minds of our citizens and those are the things that hit us every day that impact our ability to spend more time at home with your family Mm. do you think with the current rate of growth we're going to be able to continue to be a premier place to live uh, I mean, we're growing faster than any city in the country, of my understanding, is Meridian's at 35% or something compared to the average rate of growth of, like, 15. Uh, if we keep growing like this, are we? is it going to be the same culture in 5, 10 years, do you think? We went to the legislature um, some time ago to get better tools, to making sure that the growth we get is the right growth and, and, and the right places and we have a land use planning act that really constrains uh, local governments from uh, being in more control of that there are some improvements needed to our local planning act and i am not running for legislature so every time i say we need a change it's not me mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but i'll be part of finding uh-huh. that change I, I just think that as citizens, we need to be a little bit more concerned about how our representation is um, advocating for our needs rather than answering to party politics. How do they see that? How does the average citizen see the effectiveness of an elected official at that level? There are voting records, and there are certainly voting records out there on the issues that people care about. Um, you, you can you can go on there. The the local chambers are starting to um, track voting records and and how they're supporting local issues and and those kind of things. So, and I I think citizens are starting to get really frustrated. I I've been contacted by a couple of different groups and they're frustrated. They they want to start shining a light on the behavior of those that are supposed to represent us and say, 
if, if you want more of that, then vote, vote for them. But if you want real impactful decision-making and change, you got to change your representatives. I feel like that's a part of the puzzle that people just don't have is where do I go to get the information upon which to make good, accurate decisions or better decisions? How do I know if so-and-so is really going to support the issues that are important to me? And how do I see that? The average citizen just doesn't know where to easily go to get that information. Or are they looking? I mean, if we're, a lot of people vote party lines, are they looking further than that? Mm-hmm. The, and that's that's what's scary to me, I guess, is that if we're letting a party line dictate uh, our our voting, then nothing's going to change. Well, and many of the races are are determined in May during a primary. Most people know a November elections, but don't participate in the primaries where a lot of your elected officials are actually elected. Mm. Interesting. What are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in Meridian during your time? 16 years is a long time to see, to plant some seeds and maybe even to harvest. What are some of the biggest changes that you were able to see? Well, certainly parks. Mm -hmm. Um, when I started in 1995, we had one. Today we have 24. That's amazing. Uh, that, that's um, a, a result of a lot of people's um, efforts. We, uh, and I, I know you also talked to Don Day about Julius M. Kleiner Park. That was a $25 million donation. Wow. That was a gift to our community and to this region from a man who wanted to honor his dad whose land it was. Um, It was owned by two brothers, but one brother said, I'm not going to profit by my dad's work, and I'm going to honor him. And he memorialized him through that park, and it's such, it's one of those things that many elected officials don't have the opportunity to be part of that kind of generosity it was mind-blowing. And the village at Meridian was kind of a part of that. A lot of people said, yeah, that will never happen. It, it really put Meridian on the map as well and showing that there, there's expendable incomes, people that are willing to pay for the right products, the right experiences, those kind of things. And it really does... Um, put Meridian on the map. The business parks uh, that has brought jobs, now we're starting to capture trips out of Meridian and keeping them in Meridian because now they can live, work, and raise their family here. Mm -hmm. The parks give them places to recreate and play and learn and, and those kind of things. Downtown's starting to evolve. And I would say in the next five, 10 years, you're going to see a, a vibrant live work area in that downtown that will be exciting to offer a different, something different than what the village at Meridian offers. They're not in con- com- competition to one another, they are two different energy centers. But downtown is the heart and soul of our community, and it should be vibrant, and it should recognize the roots of our past and celebrate the direction that we're going as a community. And I think it's doing that. There's a lot of building going on downtown. Right now you'll see, I forget how many cranes we've got down there, but there have to be at least four multi-story buildings that are going up. Yeah. Um, Right there next to to City Hall. The one uh, south, kind of by the by the feed mill, um, yeah, I, right I, where the Perina uh, yeah. feed mill was. There's yeah. a lot of stuff going in there, so I'm kind of curious. What's the next? I mean, I mean, is that the next thing that we should expect in the next five to ten years, or what other big problems are is the city now trying to tackle? I know that there are ongoing things, but is it transportation? Is it development of downtown? I'm kind of curious if if that is the the one thing. No, I, I went to the state of the city. It was so awesome to drive to the state of the city and not be stressed out about <laughs> my speech and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I got to go and listen to Mayor Simison's speech, and, and he really focused on what what we can do by um, working together. And I think that the pandemic really showed that as well. 
is that we need to be kind and we need to work together. But his focus is on connecting the community. Uh, we have some great bones for a pathway system that he would like to see connected. Um, he's focused on the overpass for Linder, which will help. Um, you know, I-84 is kind of one of those big divides mm-hmm. between north and south, and, and it impacts emergency services, it impacts commerce, it impacts um, busing students back and forth to their schools. So it's a needed, and the, the city has really stepped up in a big way by putting local dollars towards um, that transportation improvement. It's something that we did on Locust Grove Overpass, and it kept Locust Grove Overpass on the schedule when they were looking for things to cut because the city put local dollars on it. Um, I think that's the rationale behind what the city is doing with the Linder Overpass, which is a, a needed connection. Excited to see the improvements on Chinden. We started that long ago mm. as well. I don't know why ITD does it in chunks instead of just all at once, but um, it's in chunks. But I love to see that you finally... It's coming together. It's pretty uh, nice when you turn off an eagle onto Chinden heading west, and all of a sudden you don't have to immediately start merging down. You can go all the way to Locust Grove now before you have to do that merge. But, yeah, that's a needed one for sure. Yeah, that that one's exciting. And... Um, the legislature did pass some um, dollars that I think will go to the connection for the Central Valley um, Expressway, which is along McDermott, Highway 16 extension mm-hmm. from Chinden to I-84. Uh, that, that will be uh, a major thing. And we had hoped to have an area-specific plan, and I think they're moving towards that for that four-square-mile area that would be west of that highway extension um, that is in Meridian's area of impact. We had hoped to really plan it as a a job corridor and look at something similar to the health science and technology corridor themed around the strengths that we have in this area um, to pull competitive jobs and um, Rural industry, then you can almost plan your housing needs and your service needs around what those jobs would do so people could live closer to where they work. Um, that's still in the, in the project that would like to be done um, with all the growth that taxes our staff time, but I uh, hope to see a more area-specific plan. You don't want development that is not where it should be and i i love these area specific plans because they do engage uh, citizens at a um, a more specific level and then you own it and that's what we did with the 10 mile interchange we did an integrated land use plan with the transportation component one of the first in the state but that has that what you see growing out there is intended, mm-hmm. and the property owners, stakeholders, neighborhoods, business groups. We had so many stakeholders that were part of that. It, it was exciting. So, where can people go to see um, a copy of the master plan or these specific plans? Are they accessible to the general public? Yes, they're on the meridiancity.org website. Um, You go under community development and the planning, and uh, all of those plans are are listed on there. Okay. I know that we're coming to the end of our time, but I just had one more thing before the call to action. What are you doing these days? I heard, I saw on your LinkedIn page that you're doing uh, wine tours, touring the world. Oh, well, I'm not giving wine tours. Oh, that, obviously. I, I, I would love the little um, traveling wine, um, neighborhood wine thing that people were talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, like podcast. where they just oh, pop up. Oh, the little uh, that's, cart. That's, that's getting the wine cart. People keep bringing that up, yeah. yeah. yeah Someone needs to start great. that. We Maybe we need to start that. How do you use <laughs> your time after that? 16 years is a long time, and that's just as mayor. That's a long time in city service, and I imagine 
your brain to make that transition to not do that. I can only imagine what's going through your head and how you're spending your time these days. Oh, well, um, I remodeled my kitchen, my living room. I tore, we tore out the tile, put in wood, and um, did a lot of yard work, revamping my backyard. I'm on four boards. Uh, I'm the chair of this really cool Inspire Excellence Foundation. Tommy Alquist put mm-hmm. it together with BBA, and we're doing it. Our focus is really on teens to trades. And we just got back from a tour of a facility up north that is exciting. And we would love to bring something like that down here. And we got an enthusiastic board now after seeing um, the results of Ron Nelson and his dream up in North Idaho and what we could do down here. I'm still on our Urban Renewal District Board. I'm on the Boys and Girls Club Board. And I'm co-chairing the Leadership Development Committee for the Chamber. And I, I love that. We have five subcommittees under there from Key Executive Roundtable to Emerging Leaders, Leadership Meridian, um, our youth programs that's, that fund youth scholarships. And um, what is the fifth one? Why did I just forget that? You've already oh, women in exhausted business, me. Women which in, is really exciting women too, in what they're doing. Yes. Okay, so so you're not slowing down. <laughs> no, I, I dabble in. And then I just, we bought the house next door to us because it was a rental that just had this revolving door that of no one that cared. So we bought it. I'm renovating it right now and we'll put it back on the market. But we wanted to create a home that people would want to live in, not rent. Mm-hmm. And so that's my newest project amidst all the other stuff. Wow. Okay. Y- your I'm version exhausted. of retirement <laughs> really tires me out. <laughs> that's crazy. I just didn't run again. It didn't mean that I, and my husband's still working. And, and so just, Staying relevant. Mm -hmm. I want to stay engaged. I I love our community. I I wanted to find different ways to continue to give back. Youth is my passion, the Boys and Girls Club. I've seen so many miracles um, happen there. I'm just a total believer of of what they do and, and giving kids a hand up. The Teens to Trades program is really exciting to me. And what they do up in North Idaho is not just for teens, but then after hours they use that building for parents and people that need a hand up as well and giving them relevant training um, skills or occupational skills. Mm. So it's I, I still have that fire in my belly and um, I still meet with our elected officials to to keep them accountable good that's yeah. awesome yeah call to action all right yeah so um, if you had one thing that you would like to to send out to the people of Meridian to get involved or what would be your one cry to kind of take ownership of of their citizenship in in the city our citizens are awesome in the last census, when they were called to participate, we, we were one of the highest participating communities in the nation. And so I think we have a citizenry that stands ready to, to respond when called on. I would call on them to, to get involved in elections. And, you know, if I need to single-handedly get together a group of people that will put information together on candidates so we can start making better informed decisions on who we vote for instead of the R, D, I, whatever. I'm willing to do that because we need people that are willing to fight for us. I I ran for mayor because no one was fighting at that level. Um, Our mayor had been sick and it kind of left a void. And we need to fight for the things that are important to us and to our, our occupations and to our families. And so I would love to see people get more involved, more educated on who their candidates are and 
know why they're voting for them instead of what follows their name. So following what you said earlier, tactically, get involved in the primaries. Primaries is a good opportunity to make more of an impact. Get involved in the primaries. We have an upcoming election at the local level. Uh, Only city council members, but remember, people seem to only get um, involved every four years when there's a mayor race. Well, the city council acts as a group, true, not as individuals, but um, their votes dictate where growth goes, where how it looks, holds people accountable to our, our vision, our codes. We have some great council members, but we need to continue to make sure that um, that that the right people are sitting in those seats. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And not for a reason because you didn't like one thing they did. It shouldn't be about one thing. It's about the good of the whole. Oh, if we're shopping for the perfect candidate for anything, we're going to be shopping for a long time. <laughs> well, same with your spouse, right? I don't agree with my husband on everything, but right? you look for those things, <laughs> those principled values that you have in common, and that's what's important. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. This has been a fantastic conversation. Now you guys are easy to talk to. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Thanks. we'll probably have to have you come back and talk a little bit more. Because I have a lot more questions. Oh, yeah, I see. As you can see, I, I can talk. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Tammy. All right. Thank you. Thank you, friends. Bye-bye. The Boise Bubble Podcast is sponsored by Volkswagen of Boise. Interested in buying a Volkswagen in the Treasure Valley? Head to www.volkswagenofboise.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble. And for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time.